This is Robert from Twin Peaks, and you're listening to Inspirado Projecto. Got a light? So that was awesome. And also, it was just... um, It was just so surprising because it wasn't like something was going to happen ahead of time. You know what I mean? It wasn't like there was rumblings. I mean, I remember sitting at my desk, I actually was still in the office then, and I stood up and the lady sitting next to me is like, what's wrong? Because I like was losing my color and I was like, I think my whole life just changed. She's like, what happened? Are your kids okay or whatever? I'm like, no, it's more more life changing. I think yeah. Twin Peaks is coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Oh, God. <laughs> it is such an educational show. That show is just, oh, man, it teaches us so much. And I love the fact that Lynch just unapolog- unapologetically had Dale Cooper following his instincts, following the dreams, and, um, you know, with that whole scene where he's throwing the rocks at the bottles, and he's, you know, Lucy, mark it off the list, you know. And uh, right. you knocked it off, but it didn't break. Uh, okay, put, put a question mark, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all those scenes are so classic. Um, I'm actually editing a book called The Women of David Lynch. This is not the magazine, but a book. And we're taking the same concept uh, where we had women write anything they wanted to about David Lynch. It didn't have to be about a character. It could just be anything. And the book's coming out on June 11th this year. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's actually really cool because this has never happened before. There's never been an essay book written by all women, and it seems like they should have their say on Laura Palmer or Laura Dern's characters and Wild at Heart and... It's just, it's, it covers his whole career, but we really wanted someone good to do the forward. So we were kind of looking around and we stumbled upon Leslie Linka Gladder, who's a very famous director, and she directed four episodes of the original series. She's now working on Homeland, she's done Mad Men and Gilmore Girls. And so I just got to talk to her for the first time a couple days ago, and she submitted her forward and everything. And it's just cool that someone like her, who just did four episodes, you know, in 1990, she still lists Lynch and Twin Peaks as, as like, her pinnacle of her career. And that's just incredible that it's not just you and me who are moved by these people, but you're Lynch, you know, it's, it's all of these other artists that he's come in contact with. Well, that must be so exciting. I mean, you, you like, when you see... Uh... <laughs> there, there, I think there are f- maybe I almost want to say there's like between like five and ten little tiny mini doc documentaries on Twin Peaks Fire uh, on a uh, Twin Peaks uh, season three, and I thought these were just going to be like five minutes a piece, and I, I you know I started like nine in the morning and it's like finishing up at like eight o'clock at night. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> these are much longer than I anticipated. These it was like each thing was like another hour, and in all of those little things you see just how much Lynch really loves to be able to dream on the sets and and you know with everyone talking uh, about him like they all just love that idea of like you know he embraces the happy accidents he embraces something that might seem like a, tif- a technical difficulty to someone else but to him he's like oh okay that that accidental thing just happened okay that that's going to now be we're going to use that more now <laughs> we're gonna that's a sign from the universe that this is something to pay attention to and it's always so cool when you hear about those um uh, the actors, you know, and they go, well, you know, I really like the episodes best that Lynch directed because, you know, they would say right. that the other directors would try to just do weird stuff just to be weird. Like they were, they're kind of looking at the surface of what Lynch was giving and not, and I guess, you know, unless they're into transcendental meditation or some sort of other cosmic, you know, um, trying to connect with the universe, so to speak, the higher self. I guess it's going to be, you know, you're, it's going to be really tricky to try to, you know, figure the guy out. Not, not, not that you can really, actually, truly figure him out any better if you're into transcendental meditation. But I think if you, <laughs> Probably not. but if you come from that aspect of like knowing that, you know, here, 
here's this guy who goes into connecting with all that is, you know, into the base of just consciousness as as we know it, and he goes into that source, and he he gets all of these transmissions coming through the antenna, all these transmissions coming through, and then he puts that into the episodes. Whoa! Of course it's going to seem bizarre because it's all these abstract concepts and stuff, but really it strikes you in such a way where you're going, okay, this really feels true to me as to what's happening here. Um, no, I, I, I think you're right about people trying to be Lynch, and that's where things fail. You know, any movie or television show that somebody tells me it's either like David Lynch or this is just like Twin Peaks. I don't even ever watch it because I already know it's no good. Because you can't be like David Lynch. There's David Lynch and then there's everyone else. Yeah, it's it's so interesting when you can kind of see the pedigree of a, of a movie, so to speak. Where you're like, ah, there's that little Lynchism. Ah, I see that. I see that. And uh, yeah, it's just... Um, it's it's cool just to see the the momentum that's built throughout time. You know, as the old phrase goes, every dog has his day. And I'm so excited to see Lynch having his day, so to speak, where it's it's undeniable now. You know, he's got he's got all of his, he's got the David Lynch Foundation out there. He's teaching all the teaching them, uh, the world about meditation. He's you know, Twin Peaks season three made a huge splash. And uh, I'm sure Showtime is excited about wanting to do that again because they're like, oh, look at all the subscribers we got now. Thank you, David Lynch. And I'm glad we gambled <laughs> on you. And uh, it, it's just so cool that, you know, now with uh, the folks our age who grew up seeing the original Twin Peaks, a lot of us have, uh, you know, our own kids. And so then they're, they're t- telling the kids about it. Now those kids are being introduced into it. And it's just it's it's just so kick-ass to see the the um, um, the general mindset sort of be hacked into by this uh, surrealist. Uh, <laughs> it's just so beautiful to see. Well, and I've sort of been working on this um, idea for maybe an essay at some point to write about him, but I. I no longer think that it's that Lynch is strange, which is what everyone always points to and and makes someone think something's Lynchian. I think what he really is about is kindness. Yeah. And so much of his work, that's, that's what the bottom part of it is about. Like Dougie from season three is such a, you know, is maybe the most simplistic example. I mean, all Dougie could do was be kind and it made others therefore who weren't kind have to be kind to take care of him and it created kindness like so there was Dougie and when you first meet Janie E she's a bitter angry woman but by the end she's full of love same with the Mitchum brothers they were bad guys and then they're full of love and you know the the I can't think of his character name but um the guy at the insurance company that is like a famous actor and I don't know why I'm blanking but right um, he tries yeah. to poison him right yeah and then he's crying cuz he feels so it, the point of Dougie is kindness begets kindness and it's such a big theme and that's just one character and one little thing and i think that's what other people miss when they're like oh i know let's make a pig fly and we'll change the lights and then oh i'll be lynchy and like no <laughs> no <laughs> you're missing the bigger thing that he's t- trying to tell you yes yes there are some deep educational things in there that um and that's the interesting thing too is that our reaction to it it definitely says a lot about our own character and stuff. Um, uh, yeah, I know a lot of these Lynch films, you know, there are men who are beating women and stuff. And I know, you know, anyone who just looks at that the on the outside perspective, they go, oh, well, Lynch just hates women and he loves getting them beat up. Well, okay, I guess you could take that perspective. Another perspective would be, well, he's trying to show us something that we don't want to see in the world. <laughs> you know, he's trying to show us an aspect of uh, of uh, what's going out there in society and, and giving us that opportunity to go, well, do I agree with that? Is that part of my path or do I not agree with that? And um, he he is not very big on answering questions as we've known throughout the, year, or, uh, throughout the years. He just creates more questions. He just wants to give you more questions. Well, yeah, and that was the impetus for the book was this idea that men keep saying if 
Lynch is a misogynist or not. And um, shouldn't women have a say in it? And, you know, none of these women who have written these essays, it doesn't mean that no women believe this, but they, they don't look at that in that way. They don't look at a character like Lula from Wild at Heart and say she's defined by the fact that she was sexually abused as a child. She's more defined about the healthy sex life that she wants to have with Sailor and in a beautiful love story. And I think it's because people can't dig past the surface and they just want to see the first thing they see and go, that's horrible, instead of seeing everything. I had the pleasure of going to the uh, Ace Hotel where he was. He had his book signing. And uh, it was so fun because never in my life did I ever think I would see Dumbland up on a huge <laughs> theatrical <laughs> screen. <laughs> it was so so freaking cool. So he played Dumbland up there, and it was just so great to like sit in an audience with a bunch of people who may not have ever seen that before and to hear their reactions. And dude, it was, <laughs> it was so... <laughs> he's like, get, get, get out of the fucking... You know, like that... Did you, <laughs> he's got that crazy dad who's just like this violent, loud, just angry dude, and you know, dude, it's just, it was just so ridiculous and so loud. And it was so funny to, to just see the different reactions of people. And then um, Lynch w- was up there uh, being interviewed by the woman who co-wrote the book with him. And uh, uh, it was so fun that uh, she asked him some of her own questions. And then she asked him some of the questions that were submitted by the audience. And he would he would usually answer the questions with something that was like he has such a beautiful way of answering a question that really i guess could answer the question but really it doesn't necessarily right you know like he'll answer it like well it's like if if the leaves of a tree were not green <laughs> it's it's as if they were orange instead you know and then, and you're like oh well thank you thank you david <laughs> That makes sense, you know? Um, it was just, I got such a kick out of, like, seeing him answer these questions. And then there was, like, a three-hour time span where everybody with their book could stand in line and go up and and shake his hand. And he would sign it. And, uh, oh, man, it was just so exciting. I was getting these sweaty palms as I'm walking up there. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, like, five people away from Lynch. Oh, my God, I'm two people away. And, uh, <laughs> and you get up there and he's like, I'm going to give you a hearty handshake. And, uh, then he, and then he signs the book and I go, David Lynch... You know, I just know that we knew each other in a past life. And he goes, well, it's good to see you again. That was just the most <laughs> awesome response I could have It's good to see you again. Oh, man. That's awesome. What a great experience. Oh, man. It was so great to just be around so many people who are just tuned in to the same vibe, you know, listening to the same radio station, so to speak. Um, and I just, it was, oh man, it just felt so good. I can only imagine what that's like when you go to like a Twin Peaks festival or, oh wait, you, you said you went to the Twin Peaks fest, right? Yeah, I go to the UK Twin Peaks festival in London. Is that awesome or what? Oh, it's so great. And everyone, you know, you can, you you're excited, of course, because there's going to be celebrities there and there's events. But what's really cool is you can just, every single person you meet, you can have this in-depth conversation about the smallest part of Twin Peaks. And it's just so much fun. Yeah, because everybody is there. They got their own magnifying glass. Everyone's their own, you know, um, um, uh, you know, their own detective and finding out these specific little tiny little nuances that someone else might not catch. And, uh, you know, like, uh, oh, did you see the positioning of, uh, of Diane's hands on Coop's face? And it looks like it could be the owl cave right. symbol. And you're like, what the heck? Wow. Holy cow. Like someone, <laughs> someone looked into that and, you know, found, found those, those, those Venn diagrams there. It's, it's, it's so much fun. What are some of the crazy, uh, uh, theories that you've heard or even thought of yourself that, that come to mind? Here's your fun fact. David Lynch was offered the chance to direct Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982, but he turned it down, saying that the script was funny, but it just wasn't his thing. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Listen, I don't have much time, but... 
do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you can put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm. Please get this and find me, Inspirato Projecto. Let's be friends. Okay? Anchor.fm. Hi, uh, is this Curtis? I'm looking for Curtis. I've got a po' boy sandwich ready for him. It's fresh. I just made it. Give me a call back. I don't want it to go cold, okay? All right, talk to you soon. All right, bye. Here's your fun fact. The character Maddie Ferguson wasn't supposed to be on the show. Laura Palmer's look-alike cousin was created because David Lynch was so impressed with actress Cheryl Lee, who played Laura, that he wrote her into the series full-time. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. We now present to you a reading of David Lynch's Catching the Big Fish, Meditation, Consciousness, and Creativity with a soundscape accompaniment by Mr. Kim Cascone with his cathode flower. And now we take you to the reading. We all want expanded consciousness and bliss. It's natural human desire. And a lot of people look for it in drugs. But the problem is that the body, the psychology, takes a hard hit on drugs. Drugs injure the nervous system, so they just make it harder to get those experiences on your own. I have smoked marijuana, but I no longer do. I went to art school in the 1960s, so you can imagine what was going on. Yet my friends were the ones who said, No, 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 David. Don't you take those drugs? I was pretty lucky. Besides, far more profound experiences are available naturally. When, when your consciousness starts expanding, those experiences are there. All those things can be seen. It's just a matter of expanding that ball of consciousness. And the ball of consciousness can expand to be infinite and unbounded. It's totality. You can have totality. So when all those experiences are there for you without the side effects of drugs. This is Stu Strauss, the woodsman, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto. Oh my goodness, well, I can tell you um, my theory of season three is that Cooper is just sitting in the chair and he is piecing himself back together. So none of it happens. The entire season three, except the front part where the giant says, you know, two birds with one stone. 
and then the part with the nuclear bomb. So basically the black and white sections. All of that doesn't happen. Or I'm sorry, that's the only part that did happen. Everything else that you see is just Cooper's he- in Cooper's head. He's in the chair where he was back, you know, waiting for 25 years where Laura Palmer's saying meanwhile, and he is preparing himself to leave the Black Lodge. So that very first time that he comes out at the end of part, well, I guess not the end of part 18, but at maybe it's the middle of part 18, um, and he sees Diane, and she's waiting for him. That's the first thing that happens. That's the only time we ever really went back to Twin Peaks. Wow. Everything else, I think, is in Cooper's head. And I, I mean, I have ways of, sh- of, of proving it. You know, a, a very small example would be like when the little boy is hit by the car and he dies. You know, a lot of people complained because they said, well, all of the people standing around, you know, they don't really react. Everyone just kind of stands there. And that's because he wasn't really hit by a car. That is just Cooper dealing with death because death is a part of being a human. Uh, Big Ed and Norma getting back together, that's love, because love is a part of of that. And then obviously Dougie represents kindness and, and how the things in life where Cooper did kindness. Mr. C is the evil that men do. You know, a greatest fear would be if someone hurt Audrey, therefore Audrey's raped and has a child out there so it's all in his mind it's all his fears and his dreams and love and kindness put together because that's what it takes for a human to leave that realm so so now when he comes out and him and diane drive and then he's whether he's him or not and what year is this is because did he really come out at the right place and as the right person because he's someone different now so that's sort of that's how i view season three (laughs) Wow, <laughs> that is an amazing theory. That's the first time I've ever heard that theory, and now now I want to go back and watch watch it with that in mind. Um, God, but that, like, that that's is why, really- if you think about it, and I I really haven't talked very much about this theory, which is funny because you know I have the magazine, I haven't written it down because I feel like I'm publishing everyone else's theory, and I keep saying someday I'm going to write a book, but um. But like, oh, I forget what I was just going to say. I was just going to say another part. I think it had something to do with the log lady, but it just slipped right out of my head. Well, here, wait, let's rewind a little bit back and then maybe we'll pick and then it'll it'll swoop okay. right back in your brain. OK, so um, so to the to the points that you made about the black and white uh, spots, like right in the very beginning where where the giant is talking with Coop about, you know, um, uh, what does he say? Two, three, one, or something like that. I forgot what he's. What right. He yeah. I mean, he says, "Remember, whatever it is, it's either two, three, one, or seven, four, zero, or I can't think of." What and then he says, "Like Linda and Richard," and so, so that black and white aspect. And then now, what about when Andy goes up there? Do you think that's part of, um, uh, part of that particular reality, the same reality that Coop was in? No, um, I, I would, anything that happens from parts, I think the very beginning of part one is real. I actually think that Hawk does talk to the log lady and he walks up and then if you remember, he sees the red curtains in the yeah. woods Yeah. and then you never hear about that again. And it's you know so why? True. Because Hawk is, Hawk was just going out there to check for Cooper, but it didn't happen. I mean, Cooper didn't come out there. I think Cooper came out the wrong place. And um, that's why everything has changed. And, you know, the person living at the Palmer house is um, is incorrect. And we don't know what year it is. I mean, he could have come back in the past or a little ahead of time. I mean, we just don't know. And that's why things are different. Now those aspects, when he goes back and he and he gets Laura from you know the fire walk with me, Laura, um, are you imagining that aspect happened or that aspect was just in his mind as well? That did not happen because he wishes, you know. And honestly, um, when you read my interview with Cheryl Lee, she wouldn't 
I told her I hated that. And I said, I hated that Cooper held his hand out to you and you took it because to me, it ruined what Firewalk With Me was about, which is that Laura didn't need to be rescued. Laura rescued herself. And now here comes a man to rescue you and it makes me angry. And she said to me, didn't you ever have something in your life that you wished you could do different and you think about it all the time and you just start to even imagine that it would be different? And she said, how do you know that really happened? And that sort of started to push me in that direction that, yeah, that's Cooper. Cooper wishes that he could have saved Laura and then that's why the body disappears on the, on the thing. That, that's what he wishes. It doesn't mean it's true. Um, And even when he comes and gets her and she's someone else, that could still be his wishing. Just because Lynch shows you something after something happens, it doesn't mean it happened after something happened. Right, right. And I know that sentence sounds ridiculous, but he doesn't show you things in the order that they happen. That's of no interest to him. He shows you them in the emotional order, not in the chronological order. Yeah, because I noticed there are a lot of times like that, and it's so interesting you're bringing that up that point because there are a lot of times throughout that show where I'm like, okay, maybe this scene, like like for instance, um, uh, there's that scene where Bobby comes in and he sees he sees Big Ed Hurley and Norma, and and then he tells you know Big Ed Hurley a little bit about oh yeah I just found some new information about my dad or you know something like that, and you're going oh right so hold yeah. on that wasn't. So we're not on the day that we think that that we are. We're on a different day than we thought we were. <laughs> like you're okay. Okay, now I got to rewind in my brain as to at what point that happens. You know, and um, you know, I thought this was the episode where they'd visit the tree, but no. Now we're realizing that this is actually, you know, maybe even moments after or the day after that. You know, so it, it, he does. He does mess with your uh, chronological orders, and I, I love the fact that it's just so unapologetic too. He. He feels no need to go, oh, now here's a flashback. Or, oh, now right. here's a flash forward to the future. Or, um, it, it, it's it's just so intriguing. It's just so cool to see that kind of style. And um, I think that kind of style of, like, doing things out of chronological order, like, um, uh, lent itself a lot to... Well, for instance, did you ever see the TV show Leftovers? Uh, no, I have not. Damon uh, Lindoff... Um, put that together and uh this reminds me of something you said earlier about how um you know when people go oh it's very lynchian um leftovers is very lynchian and he in fact talks about how much of a david lynch fan he is and so you do see little lynchisms in there having said that the seasons are whatever he does he does very very well and um uh he there's a lot of that stuff where you're like okay wait is this happening after or is this happening before or when is this going on and it's just like that idea of leaving it up to the viewer to have to piece the stuff together if they choose to um right we actually had damon lindelof in the magazine he's in issue five we got to interview him about twin peaks oh that's great yeah and he's actually a subscriber to the magazine too which is pretty freaking cool because he really and truly is a huge twin peaks fan wow how cool i would love to to talk with that guy about about uh well heck about lost about leftovers if you get a chance check out leftovers i think you're you're gonna like what you're gonna see it's not that kind of um it's not the stuff that we were talking about earlier where it's like you know, just that little, sh- that shallow aspect of going, oh, I'm going to throw Twin Peaks stuff in there. It's coming from a, it's stemming from a deeper place, which is really the most exciting part about it, I think. Yeah, it was cool when I got to talk to him. We we really only talked about Twin Peaks because we had a very short amount of time with him because he was, I think he's actually was writing whatever his next project is going to be at the time. I think he had just finished Leftovers. But um Right when we hung up, I got to say, hey, before we go, I just want to thank you for Lost because me and my twins watched that together and it was something that we could share in that awkward time when kids don't want to share stuff with their parents. Yeah. And and he said, well, say hi to your twins for me. And it's like, it's just kind of that cool moment where your kids don't care what you do. Then I was like, I talked to the creator of Lost and they were like, what? You know? (laughs) Like, they don't care about Twin Peaks. They could care less. I met Laura Palmer. Ah, who cares, Dad? She's been <laughs> right. hanging on our wall since we were kids. I, I'm sick of that lady. 
But Damon Lindelof, they they at least kind of looked up from their phones for a second. Oh my god, that's awesome. That is so cool, man. That is so cool. Like, I'm so excited that, you know, if it wasn't for Twin Peaks, we wouldn't see a a huge amount of this programming that's out there in the world. And um, it's so cool because I think the fact that he was able to open up people's brains so much within just those couple of years of putting out Twin Peaks um, was enough to, you know, send these reverberations into the future where you got the, the TV shows like Lost, where you got... Um, oh gosh, I don't even watch it, but I've I've heard about it. It's very inspired by Twin Peaks. It's like some crime show or something, um, you know. But just these various fil- TV shows that are out there and movies that were definitely inspired by Lynch. And now, what's so cool is, throughout that time, in a sense, they've sort of served as kind of a substitute for for that kind of higher consciousness kind of mindset and then now so then when it comes time for twin peaks season three when that came out it was like the minds were already sort of primed for um accepting that kind of high vibrating concepts which i can't wait to see what kind of other crazy movies and tv shows are going to come out now after twin peaks season three yeah who knows what will be next i mean it is hard to say isn't it i i look forward to something really gripping me in the way Twin Peaks has. I mean, I watched it when it originally aired and it changed me like watching the pilot and it's just you know, something of Twin Peaks has hung above my computer ever since 1990, you know right now the Twin Peaks Firewalk with Me poster is right above my computer like it's been in every place I've lived and it's just a total part of my life so what what other interesting theories do you, uh, do you have that you really haven't had a chance to uh, divulge or uh, put out there in the world? Um, let's see. I don't know. I um, I'm trying to think if I have like um. Well, oh, I guess I have my Cooper's hair theory. <laughs> what's so, your, what's um, his hair theory? Have you? Yeah, the hair theory. That's I guess that's what I'm most famous for. If I'm famous for anything. Um, have you seen The Missing Pieces? No, I haven't yet. Okay, so The Missing Pieces is is really good. I mean, they're definitely worth seeing. And, you know, for anyone who maybe doesn't know what that is, there were deleted scenes to Firewalk With Me that we didn't get to see for like 20 years. And they were all the scenes that were cut out of, um... Firewalk with me and had most of the cast. Well, when Lynch put in, when he when he released them, he edited together like a movie basically, and it's on the Blu-ray of Twin Peaks, and I think it's called The Complete Mystery. Ha ha, you liars! Because in about two years they put out season three and it already wasn't complete. But in that they show um, they show Cooper's hair when he comes in the red room and he comes up to the man from another place and they say is it future is it past well one time when cooper comes in his hair is parted on the side and it's very flat which is how he wore it in the pilot later in the movie and this is in firewalk with me too but it's only in one time and i think it's in the firewalk with me version that what plays his hair is parted because that is in Laura's time. Later in, he comes in, his hair is slicked back. And that is season two, Cooper. That's how he did his hair there when he's stuck. And they show the scene again. And what I had said to people at the time is what that means is that, that time moves in the red room and that there are, because there's Laura's Cooper, where when we see it, Laura when Laura was alive or when he was doing the Laura Palmer mystery, that's how he wore his hair. Whereas when he's captured, when he's in there with Annie, his hair is slicked back. And it also means there are two Coopers as well that, you know, he could be in the red room. They could be in the past. It could be in the future and that time has no meaning, but there could be progression of time because his hair changes and there are different aspects of Cooper. Whoa. I don't know what that means, but Whoa. Lynch would not have him do his hair different ways for no reason. Hello. Oh, 
got a hearty handshake coming. Oh, appreciate that. Thank <laughs> you, you so bet. much. David Lynch. Holy moly. Hey, man. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> Good to see you, man. I know I've known you in past lives. That's all I'm saying. I'm sure. I'm sure. Good to see you again. <laughs> it's good to see you again, man. Oh man, it's so great to see you again. Wowzers! I just looked at the clock. It's one twenty-three. One two three. One two three. Today is January twenty-third, two thousand nineteen. It's ten fifty-eight a.m. I'm going to read to you. A little bit here from the autobiography of FBI Special Agent Dale Cooper, My Life, My Tapes. On the inside here it says, First Pocket Books Trade Paperback Printing, May 1991. So we're going to read here from Chapter 3, page 140. January 20th, 1979, 9 a.m. Diane... The people in bookkeeping say that I have accumulated enough hours for a vacation. Ten days of forced exile. Wyndham has given me the name of a small island south of the border that will give me a good rate. Believe I will take him up on the offer. I can use the time to study hostage rescue techniques. January 25th, 5 p.m. La Casa El Corazon, the house of the heart. Wyndham and Carolyn spent their honeymoon here, a step into the past. From my balcony, I look down onto the warm waters of the Caribbean. An old man sits playing chess in the courtyard. Wyndham told me of an old man who taught him all he knew of the game. If this is the same man, he must be 100 years old, if a day. January 25th, 11 p.m. A strange incident happened tonight. After dinner, I went into the courtyard and sat down across from the old man, and I told him that I had heard he was a very good teacher. The old man said that was true, and then looked into my face for a moment and said the words, La muerte. Then he stood up and started to leave. I followed him, seeking an explanation, and got one as he turned into a dark alley. There is death in your face. I can teach you nothing. I asked him how he knew this, and he shook his head and said, That is the wrong question. The old man then disappeared into the night. January 26th, 8 a.m. Diane woke this morning and found the body, bloody carcass of a chicken nailed to the door of my room. I'm going to try to find the old man. January 26th, 7 p.m. Diane, I stand at the door to a small dirt floor shack. The inside is illuminated by a single candle. The old man hangs from a rope tied to a rafter. He appears to have been dead for 10 or 12 hours. On a crude plank of wood he used as a table is a piece of paper with the words, Forgive. I was just a stupid old man. May God stop him. Who was the old man talking about? Me? The locals say he was just a crazy old man. That may be true, but it is also true that the line dividing genius from insanity is often a very thin one. Whatever it was, the old man saw in my face scared him enough to take his own life. And what was it? He was asking forgiveness for. The time of the next entry is not clear. Diane. Darkness. Darkness. I have to get off of the island. No. No, it's a monkey's hand. Get off the island. Oh. David Lynch personally started a campaign in Hollywood to get Laura Dern an Oscar nomination for her performance in Inland Empire. He sat on the side of the road with a cow 
during this campaign, which was, unfortunately, unsuccessful. Stay tuned to Inspirato Projecto for more fun facts. Right, and you know, and that that is a great theory because then it ended up panning out for Twin Peaks season three that you know, you know, people grow older in the red room too. Like you're saying, right. like it's interesting to see how changes can happen. One would think. I mean, I would, I, you know, I would have thought that time would have just stood still in this sort of nebulous, uh, detached from you know human Earthling reality uh, <laughs> kind of area. Right. Uh, but maybe it's just as affected by that time as, as, as any other place and that that just makes so much sense is you know you got the older laura you got the older coop you got the i i mean everybody up there and i'd love to know like the evolution of the arm what that's also a possible nugget that um uh, like what what could happen if he what was it that took him to evolve to that that would be interesting and then like what is that thing that evolves the arm into you know a tree for instance do you have well i mean it is the trees that surround the entrance to the black lodge so one could assume that each you know there's that the the oil is there and then surrounding it are the sycamore trees and i think that is a growing sycamore tree that would then protect your entrance in now the reason that they had the evolution of the arm instead of having Michael Anderson back, who played the man from another place, is because Michael Anderson is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, he's kind of a nut. And he said some pretty horrible things um, and, you know, very racist-type comments. And I don't think anyone really wanted to work with him. So I think it's sort of funny that then Lynch said oh that's okay we'll just replace him with a tree <laughs> you know which is kind of funny yeah I mean especially like you know you you have those kinds of luxuries so to speak when you create a world where anything goes where you know anything can happen I mean what uh, what's her name turned into a um, what at the dresser knob or something right um <laughs> Josie yeah and of course Philip Jeffrey turned into a teapot yeah so, that's um, right yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it, it's like in a world where all kinds of stuff like that could happen, you know, yeah, of course it makes sense that the arm would turn into a tree. And uh, <laughs> it's just it's just brilliant. Um, man, did you uh, were you able to go to any of the uh, pop up stores out in Los Angeles? No, I never did get to the pop up stores. Um which was kind of sad, but from what I understood, they were basically just, it was kind of just the Showtime store. Um, you know, so there wasn't anything new there that you couldn't get online. But um, our associate editor, Courtney Stallings, she, or maybe she's the senior editor now, I forget. We've had promotions. I don't want to slight anyone's title in this make-believe magazine. <laughs> but she lives out in L.A., so she went to them. They were. I got a chance to go to the Double R Diner, and um, uh, uh, Rebecca Del Rio, right? Is that her last name? Del yeah. Rio. Mm -hmm. She yeah. was out there, and she was signing autographs and stuff. She had performed inside, um, and so you go in this long line, and you know you get you get a slice of cherry pie and a coffee, and uh, they had some costumes in there and everything. And yeah, it was like a Showtime story. It was just fun to see like the girls dressed up as the Double R Diner. Uh, uh, waitresses and you know just to be like wow cool and then I had the pleasure of going on uh, New Year's uh, to the uh, they cha they changed it from the Roadhouse oh no wait yeah they changed it from the Roadhouse into One Eye Jacks that's what it was because they had a pop-up store it was Roadhouse but then on New Year's Eve it was One Eye Jacks and that was awesome there were people dressed up like the characters there I got a chance to meet um uh, Madge, Madgekin, <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow. that was so kick-ass, and, um, I met some of the other folks there, too. Oh, Chad, yeah, Ch um, um, what is his name, the guy who plays Chad again? John Caracciolo. Yes, yes, I met him, and, um, and, uh, oh, gosh, I forgot what her name is, but she gets stabbed by Spike the Ike. I met her, she was there, um, 
so just just it was so cool that they showed up to be a part of this um and they had uh some performances there i think magikin's uh daughter sang she's in a band so she sang and uh man it was just really cool they had these they had these roulette tables and so you could gamble so it costed nothing to gamble but it was just it was like just the experience of like just this fun free you know they'd hand you a whole group of chips and you oh god it was just it was just a lot yeah, of that fun. sounds really really cool um yeah that's that's awesome it was so fun to walk around in that reality in that ambiance and it's like when when I first heard that there was a restaurant called Twin Peaks, I'm like, what the heck? Like, what is is this right. Twin Peaks centered? And then I was like, what the heck, you guys? This has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. This has nothing to do with Twin Peaks. And after seeing these pop up stores, I'm thinking, man, like it would make so much sense to to make real life double R diners out there. It would make so much sense to, you know, create those little worlds for people to to dive into and and geek out and cosplay in and stuff. Well, you should go out to Snoqualmie, Washington. You can go to Tweeds, which is where they film the Double R, and they do have the best chocolate pie in the world. I know you're supposed to get cherry pie. Their cherry pie is good, but they have the best chocolate pie in the world. So I usually go to Snoqualmie once a year and just go into the town because it's like being in Twin Peaks, and it's really cool. Now, do you stand in spots and you go, okay, this is where this scene was filmed. Okay, this is where the... Oh, and yeah. you don't just sort of soak it in yeah. and go, oh my God. And I <laughs> act it out and I take pictures and sometimes we go with friends and we all say the scenes. I mean, we're crazy. That's yeah. awesome. That's what you do. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh God, that is so cool. It is so cool. God, man, I can't wait to see what the heck Lynch is going to be up to next. That's just going to be... Um, it's going to be so fun to see. Like there was a, there's an art gallery out here where uh, there are photos of his uh, in this art gallery, and they were playing music that was done by um, uh, Sparkle Horse and um, uh, a bunch of bunch of just bunch of different artists, and the, all the music was inspired by. Oh, I think it was called the Dark Knight of the Soul. And uh, so they couldn't. Apparently, they couldn't sell the album. So what they did was at the art gallery, you could buy. Um, the the book of, of the of the photos and it came with a blank CD and then it had a link to a website where you could just download the, all those songs and put them onto the CD so it was like this clever like like just a a, a workaround so to speak to kind of like all right well we can't do this but hey let's try this and uh, it was just so cool to hear that music and walk through the gallery and see his art up on the walls and just think wow man this is this is cool. Like, this, it just felt so good. Oh, now, so Kim Cascone, I, I recently came into contact with Kim Cascone, and he's he uh, was assistant editor, music editor for um, the uh, for the pilot episode of Twin Peaks and also Wild at Heart. And I had the pleasure of being able to talk with him about um, uh, working with Lynch and uh, it just used to talk about just how cool Lynch was on set and... Um, how he himself is into meditation and he makes like a lot of like just soundscapes a lot of droning soundscapes and stuff and he's put he every year he's put together what's called the drone cinema film festival and this year it's going to be in los angeles he's got some interesting stories um in case he's someone you ever want to talk to for the magazine or anything like that because uh it's always fun to hear the various perspectives that people speak from when when they've encountered david lynch this uh podcast is also a radio show uh, in uh, Chinatown in Los Angeles, so I have that the first third and the first and third Monday of every month. I the woodsman. I've had the woodsman on the show. So there's some of these folks that I've had the pleasure of meeting. You know, I could get a hold of them and see if they'd be interested. And if you ever want to interview those guys or anything, you know, see if they're interested in wanting to be a part of the magazine and stuff because they got a lot of great stories to tell. That um... yeah, I've, I've actually been able to interview the woodsman. We haven't um, got to print them yet. Um... It's we've we've got a backlog of interviews. Um, I'm thinking about compile compiling all the interviews at some point and putting them out. So we're trying to figure out what our next moves are. I mean, we've there's so many people involved in season three that it's it's hard to pass it around, you know. So if if people want to subscribe to Blue Rose Magazine, where is what are some things that you would like to promote right now? Whether it's the website, whether it's your podcast, what what are some things right now in ways that sure. people can um, get a hold of you? I mean, you 
Definitely. You can go out to bluerosemag.com. And right now we are pushing the subscription to year three, which will be issues 9, 10, and 11 and 12, which gets you from March uh, 2019 to November 2019. And the March issue, we're just getting ready to release the cover. Um, It's going to have the Double R Club, which is a Twin Peaks burlesque performance that they do at the UK Twin Peaks Fest in London and monthly and they're a very interesting group of people it's a very visual cover and we have a mystery interview with an original cast member in issue nine and john thorne who wrote a essay about the beginning of fire walk with me all being a dream back in 2002 it was very controversial at the time he's going to revisit that theory from the wrapped in plastic issue for the first time now incorporating season three So we know that's going to be an issue nine. That's going to be a big issue. And then, like I said, issue 10, we have a concept issue that we're not ready to talk about yet. But then in issue 11, we're doing Men of Lynch, which will have 40 essays. So there's a lot. And then in June, we have the book coming out, The Women of David Lynch, which is all new essays, um, interviews with Matt Chinamick, Chinamick, uh, Shelley the Waitress, and Charlotte Stewart, Forward by Leslie Linka Gladder, and then 10 wonderful um, female writers who talk about Blue Velvet, Wild at Heart, Mulholland Drive, Twin Peaks. I mean, everything is in this book. We're really proud of it, and that you can get at bluerosemag.com too. That comes out through Fayetteville Mafia Press. I have my Letterman book about David Letterman. It's at lastdaysofletterman.com. My podcast, how much more do you need? Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> I'm out there getting it done. <laughs> it's just great, man. I see. I only see things just gaining more momentum with, with your various projects. That's where it's at right Thank you. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like um, being motivated to not have to go back to a cubicle that can make you... Uh, work hard so any help anyone wants to give we'll we'll take a subscription and and uh you won't be disappointed it's a beautiful magazine man scott it was so great to talk to you and thank you so much for carving time out of your day to to geek out about david lynch and talk about your magazine and stuff no it's great talking with you thank you very much hi this is jay ossing from twin peaks the return you're listening to inspirato projecto
Thank you.